Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager of the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization with the mission of coaching student athletes to aim for success off the field. Have you heard the news? Orange Arrow is turning 10. Please consider giving a monthly donation of $10 for 10 years of OA at www.orangearrow.org. Make sure to also subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on social media to see how we're celebrating. Thank you for listening. There's so much in life, so much to enjoy in life. Hall of Fame NFL player Franco Harris wants young people to have the right skills to enjoy their futures. Then when you do well on the field, you know, people are looking for some leadership off the field. And and you have to step up. That's why the former Pittsburgh Steeler is teaming up with the organization Orange Arrow, founded by former Pitt football standout Sean Robinson. You're now inside the play call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. It was Wednesday, uh, December the 21st. I was leaving the gym at 6.30 a.m. Surprisingly, I received a text from a friend. I saw the name come through. I'm like, why is he texting me so early in the morning? Open up the text. All it said was, Franco passed. Wait, wait, what? I immediately uh, checked the internet. Thankfully, I was you know, close to the house. And one of the news outlets in Pittsburgh share that story, confirm what my friend had sent me via text. I was devastated, uh, still processing. I couldn't even find the words to ex begin to explain how I felt in that moment. That evening, WPXI news station in Pittsburgh ended up reaching out to me because the producer was aware of our relationship and Franco's amazing support to the work of Orange Arrow. And here's a clip of um, that interview the night that I found out. Yeah, that's right, Albie. I just talked with Sean Robinson, the founder of the organization Orange Arrow, who witnessed Franco's kindness and his magic firsthand. What did Franco mean to you and, and to the, you know, Orange Arrow organization? Everything. Um, he served as a mentor, as an advisor, as a fundraiser. I mean, he, he, I mean, the salt of the earth. I mean, so the mission of Orange Arrow is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing, playing arena may be. It's really about being more than an athlete. You talk about some somebody who represents and is the epitome of being more than an athlete, it's definitely Franco Harris. You could hear me struggling to answer her question. I couldn't even find the words. I mean, simply devastated. So as I think about how we at Orange Arrow can pay tribute, um, share some of his generosity and contributions, not only to OA, but to the broader community. One way to do it is through storytelling. And so with that in mind, we created this podcast tribute. The name of the tribute is called We Love Franco. 
So I will be interviewing a number of people who we consider to be part of the OA family who also have a connection with Franco to help share the story um, as we continue to honor and celebrate the man, um, his family, and his legacy. Uh, so first up is Dr. Jim Barber. He's actually the person that introduced me to Franco back in 2016 uh, before a fundraiser event we had called Ball for Orange Arrow. It was before the Pitt Penn State game. I said, Doc, I'm trying to get connected with some Penn State alum. You know anyone? Here's Franco. Check it out. So here inside the play call, we love Franco. Our tribute to uh, Franco Harris. Uh, I have this gentleman that I'm about to speak to now to thank because he's the one that introduced me to Franco Harris. It was in 2016 when we were planning the Ball for Orange Arrow, a fundraiser before the Pitt Penn State game. And I reached out to my guy, um, huge Pitt supporter. You see, you see him on the sideline of the bas basketball games. Uh, you're watching TV, you'll see him by his um, by his, his great looks. <laughs> you can see you see him sitting sit courtside there. Um, my guy, Dr. Jim Barber. Doc, how are you? Fine. Thank you so much for uh, making me sound like I'm something I'm not, but I appreciate it, buddy. I like the part about the good looks. That was cool. <laughs> nah, definitely makes sense, you know, with, with your profession. Oh, plastic um, surgeon. I have to look half decent, you know. So. <laughs> totally. So I've said this to you a number of times um, personally, but I want to say this publicly and while it's been recorded. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for introducing me to the great Franco Harris. I mean, he has been a tremendous uh, support to myself and also the work of Orange Arrow. So I cannot thank you enough for um, that honor of introducing right. me and making that connection. I appreciate that, Sean. But everybody else appreciates everything you do for the community in doing this the same way, you know, that we were all made to do. It's just, you know, the, to give back, you know, things that uh, we can do to help people out and make their lives better. That's what the most important thing is. Definitely. And so speaking of, Going back, giving back, uh, Franco obviously embodied what it means to be more than an athlete. But yep. share with us, how did you meet Franco? Share that story, please. Well, let me tell you, it's, it's interesting because I, I tease Franco all the time. Franco's birthday is March 7th, okay? He's three weeks older than I am. So, you know, it, it, going back, I always every time we go out together, I'd always introduce him as my father because he's the older guy. So anyway, plus, I mean, the stuff between Pitt and Penn State, that was always good. You know what I mean? Right. I, I always told him, I said, Franco, the only good thing about going to Penn State is you can put your diploma on your windshield and park in the handicap zones. So he used to laugh and tease me about Pitt. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, I, I, uh, even though he's a little bit older, I graduated from college a year before he did. So after that, in 71, I left and I, I pursued my, my, you know, my passions in life. I went to the University of Florida. I did research down there for uh, in graduate study for NASA, then went up to D.C., did the same things, went to medical school, went from D.C. out to L.A. and then out to L.A. to Houston, Texas, back out to Southern California. Had to come back here, as you know. I mean, I never missed a game. We always I listened to every game on the radio long distance before they even had the Internet. I used to drive from medical school every day to every every game here at Pitt to be able to do it. But I had to come back to see that in my family. But the interesting thing about that is I was never in Pittsburgh when Franco was playing with the Steelers. 
he played between 72 and, and 83 and I was away. I didn't get back here till like 84, 85, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was, when I came back, my daughter was born out in Los Angeles and we had to pick a school for her. So I say my, my wife and I decided we were going to send her to Swickley Academy. We sent her to Swickley Academy and that's where it started because not only was my daughter going there, Doc was going there. Doc is Franco and, and Dana's son. He's, they call him Doc because Dana's last name is Doc Monovich. Uh, his real name was Franco also, but they called him Doc because Dana's last name was Doc Monovich. She's from Aliquippa, BBM yeah. from Newcastle. That was our big rival and stuff. So we began to know each other because our, our, our children both went to the same school and stuff. So I would see him at functions down there. I would see him at, at uh, things like, you know, that were going on for, you know, plays and in award ceremonies and everything like that. Became, we gave, began to, you know, begin good friends and stuff and knowing Dana and Doc and stuff like that. After that, it, it continued off and stuff. Our daughter, uh, you know, our daughter was a, a diehard sports fan. She, uh, she's very bright. Doc was incredibly bright. He had a perfect SAT, went to Princeton. My daughter had very, uh, very smart, had a number of IVs, uh, leaves she had, you know, got accepted with, uh, but she was a sports fan. So she had to go to Duke. And after we lost to Duke last night, I'm not going to talk to her today because she may rub it in my face. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so anyway, they went away and then uh, they both came back to Pittsburgh and they both went to law school and they were in law school at the same time together. So wow. it, became, it became, you know, hooked up to be able to do that. And then Franco and I became close and doing a number of things. We talked about business deals and stuff we did. We, we talked about functions and all this kind of stuff. And uh, we became very close. And Dana, Dana's, his wife is a, is a tremendous lady. She's a very down to earth person. And uh, that's how it became. That's how I met him. That's how we became friends. And in a lot of different areas, uh, both in doing things with our kids, doing things uh, personally, uh, take him. I'll send you a picture. I took, uh, it's a shame because I took him and, and, and Tyler Boyd last year was one of the last games that they got to go to and sat, you know, on the court with us down there. But, uh, you know, it, it, that's how we got to know each other and do that. And it became closer in that. And we'd go out to dinner. We'd do things all the time. And, uh, you know, I'd tease him. He'd tease me about being Pitt and Penn State and stuff. Right. Right. And so I know you have countless memories, but you mind sharing one or two memories when you think uh, of Franco? Franco, there's so many things I think about him with. I mean, if I look back in retrospect and do it, First of all, it was with our kids at school. I mean, when they had, you know, I'd see him there. We'd, we'd see the, the smile on his face when, when, uh, when Doc was, was getting, you know, awards for stuff or when my daughter was doing stuff like that. You know, those were the same things that were great. Then uh, in 2009, uh, Doc ran for mayor here in Pittsburgh. And I remember right. Franco and I, we, we'd, we'd host a bunch of, uh, you know, fundraisers to help Doc, uh, you, know, uh, you know, fund his, his campaign and do this, things like that. And that was a tremendous opportunity. But there were so many things that I remember about Franco. I mean, I had a, we had a fundraiser at my house one time. And, uh, you know, uh, we had a bunch of people from both Pitt, a bunch of athletes, a bunch of people. Franco was there and there were a number of little kids, uh, you know, at, at the function. And when Franco came, you know, they were so excited to see their face and, and to see him sit down and sign autographs and sign shirts for them and do this. Yeah. It was this, and it was so ironic because since he passed away, I've had three or four people text me and say, I remember that night at your house when my, my kids were there and I got this and I can't thank you enough. And then I, there are so many other things. I, I, I had a group from, from out in the West Coast, good, good friends of mine here from, from, uh, from Beaver County. They moved out to the West Coast, out to Salt Lake out there. And uh, in Salt Lake area. And basically, you know, they, they're going through some tough things and all this kind of stuff with their lives and stuff. Their, their son was, was sick and going through some things. And they said, hey, Jim, we're coming back to Pittsburgh. Can we get together? And I said, yeah. 
they said, oh, is, is there anybody, I mean, I, I'd love to have my, you know, my, my family meet, you know, one of the athletes, you know, back there because they're big sports fans. They love Pitt and they're out here. We just like to know that. So instantly I said, okay, I said, I'm gonna call Franco. And Franco, he never says no. He yeah, never was incredible. He doesn't, he just will not do that. He just wants to give and give and give. So we went out to dinner and we went out to Bella Fortetta out there in, in, in Rexford. And uh, we were sitting there with my friends in the, in the West Coast and he walked in and basically you could hear my that their family screaming, oh my God. Yeah. And it changed their life. It just was such a perfect thing to be able to do for people like that. And Franco would always do that. I mean, when we were doing things, uh, you know, helping people out and we'd sit down and, you know, do some fundraisers and stuff. It was just, it was just a remarkable thing that the way that he did that. And there's, there's so many memories I could have of some of the things that he gave, you know, so unlike a lot of athletes, as you know, I mean, some of those athletes are, you know, I'm, I'm the man, you, you know, uh, what I do, you know, and right. I'm big deal. Not that he was the way my mother always taught us. I always remember where you came from, you know, and he had a background like I do. We didn't come from anything. It's just the fact that we had great families. They taught us the stuff. They taught us what was real. And he was just a down to earth, good person. Definitely. Definitely. And this leads into my last question. What do you say Franco's legacy is? His legacy is what everybody's legacy wishes they should be and should be. It's not what you gave in life. It's what you give. And all he did was give. He gave himself. He not only gave, you know, he gave money. He gave his, his time. He gave his effort. He gave his heart to anything that he did and stuff like this. He was such a good person. I mean, you know, when, you know, I always said he was the kind of person when you walk past you know, his, his casket, you don't want to say, oh, God, he had a beautiful house. You see the car he had. Oh, my God. You want him to say, look how many things he did for so many people. All he did was remember that, you know, he was a good person, that people needed things and he would help them. And he's the kind of guy that, you know, if I were in a war with him and I went a bunker, that would be the guy that I would stick out for and I'd take a bullet for because he was just the, one of the greatest guys I've ever known in my life. And there are not enough words. I mean, you've known me for a long time, Sean. I'm never short on words, right. but there's no words in the world that can be able to say what a good person Franco Harris was, what kind of legacy he's going to leave of people to say, hey, listen, you know, look at all the, the, you know, the people that reached out when he passed away to be able to yeah. do that, to say, hey, you don't do that. If you know, if you have tons of money and, and people, you don't care about people and you just care about yourself. He did that and everybody loved him because he did so much for everybody else. He was a friend that, you know, my I had a good friend that is Slice. Remember Barry Rorson? So he would always say, you know, a good friend is somebody who's like a four-leaf clover. They're lucky to have and hard to find. And basically mm. that's what he was. He was just absolutely unbelievable. And I, he's a great, great person and somebody I'll miss, somebody I'll remember forever and somebody I pray for every day. Doc, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your friendship. We love Franco. Looking forward to connecting here in the near future. John, I can't wait to see you. I tell you what, you're the same kind of philosophy that you have. You're a great person for all you do. And there's not enough people that can be able to thank you down there, too. I love you. Appreciate you. Love you, too. Appreciate Thanks. you, Doc. Each year uh, in the Super Bowl city, Franco and his Penn State teammate, Lydell Mitchell, host a fundraiser event called the Immaculate Reception. And the proceeds goes to a local charity. In 2020, the Super Bowl was in Miami and Franco and Lydell selected Orange Arrow to be the recipient. It was really important timing because as we know, 2020 was the pandemic year. 
And those funds really help support it OA to do, to continue to do the work and serve our population uh, virtually. We have Jocelyn to thank for this wonderful opportunity. So check out my interview, my conversation with Jocelyn for the backstory. We love Franco and um, my next guest. So many things I could say. One thing I will say is that you know, preparing for uh, this interview, I said, this may be the interview where I get emotional. I just felt that. So if it happens, it happens. Uh, Cause we definitely love Franco and um, we miss him. This next guest, uh, she played a huge role and Orange Arrow being the recipient of the Immaculate Reception Dinner. So the Immaculate Reception Dinner is where Franco and his Penn State teammate, Lydell Mitchell, they do an annual fundraiser event in the Super Bowl city, and they uh, select a local charity. And the 2020 Super Bowl, so that was the Chiefs, Chiefs versus the 49ers, Orange Arrow was a recipient of this amazing dinner on South Beach, the Who's Who's and Steelers Nation. It was a wonderful, wonderful uh, opportunity. And it meant so much to me in OA. And I have this wonderful lady, Jocelyn, to thank. So Jocelyn, take us back to Atlanta Super Bowl and how we connected. Sure. So I'm glad you prepped us for the tears because I'm sure there's going to be some. Um, I met Sean on a flight from Atlanta Super Bowl to Fort Lauderdale. I believe we determined it was 2019. Yes. Um, I was in a window seat and Sean was in the aisle seat and a gentleman sat between us who was a very tall gentleman. Um, and you could just tell right off the bat that there was going to be some uncomfort in that uh, row of seating. So I gave up my seat to the other gentleman and I ended up taking the middle seat and kind of you. started to chat. <laughs> it was a short flight, so the least I could do. Um, but we started to chat and uh, Sean, you actually just asked me why we were in uh, Atlanta and I had mentioned the Super Bowl and Franco right. and uh, you mentioned that you were also from Pittsburgh. So I think that that kind of just started the whole conversation and, um, you know, you really yeah. took it from there. So. It was, uh, so I went to, I didn't go to the Super Bowl, but I went to the city. I went to some of the events around it. Yeah. And um, again, it was so kind of you to uh, give us a little bit of relief by taking uh, <laughs> taking one for the team and going to the middle seat. And so we started started chatting. We both going back to uh, Fort Lauderdale there. Yeah. And when you mentioned Frank, I was like, wait, what? Because like, that's my guy. So this is 2018. I was, I met Franco in 2016. And uh, I was, I was not aware of the event until you mentioned it. And then, but then also Franco was not aware that we had expanded to South Florida because he always, they always select, he and Lida always select a charity that's local to that, that community. Right. And so uh, when you gave me that, that Intel, I was like, I gotta call Franco. I gotta, I gotta shoot my shot. Right. Yes. And so, uh, so I called him and let them know that I, I met you. I heard about this wonderful event. We actually expanded to South Florida. Yeah. Love for you all to consider um, us being a recipient for the event. And so 
Uh, fast forward, <clears throat> he uh, he came to South Florida. And he and Lydell was scoping out the restaurant and, and different yep. things. And um, I think even a golf course because there was a golf course. course. I mean, there was a, a golf that. fundraiser, like everything. <laughs> like it, it was an amazing, amazing weekend. Shout out to uh, Luana, his, uh, his sister. Yep. Amazing. She holds it down. She sure um, does when it comes to that and so many other things. And so, yeah, I had opportunity to uh, to present to uh, Franco and Lydell about who we are and what we do. Franco was already a supporter. It was just yeah. really, you know, just let him know the, about the expansion. And then, you know, he needed his guy, Lydell, to also, you know, give the, uh, the green light. And yep. well, when they gave the green light, you know, the rest was history. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think one of the best memories was running into you at the golf outing yeah. and like realizing it was, well, I think you recognized me first and you came over and you said, hey, were you on a flight from Atlanta to Fort Lauderdale? And I'm like, is this even happening? Like, I just right. lost it. <laughs> yeah, that is right because yeah, I don't think you didn't fully make that connection, did, did you? Not. Until then. No. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and at yeah. that point, like we had gone through the dinner, we had gone through right. everything. And I remember seeing you at the dinner and I'm like, man, I know him. Like, how do I know him? I cannot place him. And I, we're so busy at that dinner, Sean, you know, right. we're running around and stuff like that. So it did not dawn on me until the, um, the golf outing and what a moment that was. Now that was amazing. That was super was dope. Crazy. That was super dope. Yeah. And so, um, so tell me the story. How did you actually meet Franco? So, um, funny enough, I actually met his niece first, who is now like my best friend. Um, she had just moved to Pittsburgh from San Diego. I was out with a girlfriend, um, and as girls do, we met in a bar bathroom and we chalked it up for a little bit. And she had, you know, mentioned that she just moved to Pittsburgh from San Diego. Her uncle lives here. Um, so I just extended my phone number and said, hey, if you don't know many people in town, give us a call. And she did. She called us probably within like a couple of days and we hung out. And I said, what is your connect like connection to Pittsburgh? Because I know living in Pittsburgh um, if I had the opportunity to live in San Diego, it's a little bit different. Um, right. So I was just curious as to what brought her to Pittsburgh. And she did mention that her uncle had played for the Steelers. She was very, you know, high level with it. Didn't mention who it was yep. or anything. Like that. Um, and a couple of months had gone by and she said, hey, my family does um, a Super Bowl charity event every year. And it's in New York this year. And we'd love for you to come with us. And I said, I'll drive. We can pack up my car instead of flying. You know, it's easier with all the luggage and boxes and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I don't think it was until like a week before the Super Bowl that I realized who her uncle was. And then when wow. we were in New York, I met him. <laughs> and I mean, it was just Uncle Franco right off the bat. Yeah. So yeah. I think I was lucky yeah. enough to meet him as like you know, less of the stealer and more of the family guy. There's the tears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally understandable. That's uh, that's actually really, really cool. That's really cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, um, and then, you know, because I had helped out, they invited me back every year since. So it really does become like a family. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, you all, it's a lot of work. So when do y'all typically start, 
planning. I'm, I'm sure his sister probably is like, as soon as the other one's over, uh, she yeah. starts. Yeah. But, but, but like, when do you start to get involved? Like a few months before the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do. Um, they usually kind of let us know, you know, itinerary-wise when we should be out there. Um, I help Luana a lot of times with, you know, boxes and things like that if she has stuff coming into town. Um, and we get out there usually the week. Uh, I would say, you know, Luana gets out there probably Monday. Um, we trickle in Tuesday, Wednesday. And that whole week is just, you know, putting all of the gift bags together and getting everything signed, um, getting everything in order for the dinners. We usually go to the restaurant like the first night and do a big family family night. Um, and that kind of gives everybody an idea of like, you know, what the dinner is going to be like. And it's just everybody's coming in and getting together for the first time. And it's always like probably the most exciting night for us. Um, but yeah, we get involved pretty early on. And, you know, we once they set the Super Bowl, Luana heads out. She starts checking out restaurants yeah. and things like that. And then like, a lot of times, you know, we had done a Phoenix Super Bowl. Um, so when they announced Phoenix, it was like, let's just put it on repeat. Let's go back to the same restaurants. Right, yeah. Know. So it kind of makes it easier in that sense. But, you know, it's always something to look forward to. And it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, did uh, do you have a favorite Super Bowl city? Oh, Super Bowl state. You know, I always go back to New York because it was my first, first one. one. Yeah, and I, I thought you were gonna go that way. Yeah, New York was intense. I mean, talk about like everything leading up to game day was just perfect. I mean, it it was amazing. I think my close second um would probably be phoenix we had a blast in phoenix as well so wonderful, York, wonderful. No. <laughs> i got it no, that makes sense that makes sense it's yeah. hard to beat that first one <laughs> it's really hard yeah share one or two uh memories of franco any stories you want to share oh gosh i have so many but i think yeah. some of the best ones are him and lydell talking about their college years um i will I'm a steel trap, so I won't divulge any of those stories, but I mean, the two of them together is hysterical. And, you know, they've just really lived it up. And hearing some of those stories, you look at them and you're like, what? <laughs> um, so it, it's surprising, but funny. I mean, they are hysterical together. So um, I think that would be one of my favorites. I would also say that Franco loved to sing. Um, so I was actually going to speak to that. Go ahead, please continue. Which I think a lot of people probably don't know, but um, every year at the Super Bowl charity event, he would pick a song either relevant to the city or, um, you know, relevant to, you know, the holidays that were happening and things like that prior. So just seeing him and Aisha kind of, um, practice those songs throughout the week. I mean, he would bust through a door and break out into song. And it was just, you know, it lights up the room. And I have yeah. to call out one other thing that he said that sticks out to me. Um, I, I know that you saw the hat that became such a big deal for the charity. You know, they have all the players sign them and things right. like that. And what we do is we get everyone together before to sign. Um, and when he was signing, 
he actually said last year, you know, I don't know why these guys hurry up and, you know, just scribble their signature. If people want these hats so badly, I'm going to take my time and, and write my signature. And he was like that with everything. He would never just scribble on a piece of paper his name. He would yeah. write it out so everybody could read his name. And I just wow. thought that speaks volumes of him and who he is as totally. a person um, and how much he appreciated everybody who loved him. Yeah, yeah. Anyone he interacted with, it was, I'm still amazed just hearing more of the stories. Yeah. I, um, it's, it, you brought up the singing because I was going to uh, speak with you about that because I did not know that until until the uh, we became the recipient of that, yeah. the Macaulay Recession Dinner. I was like, wow. So he was like, at the time we were talking, he was thinking about what song he was going to select. Yeah. I believe previous, maybe previously, I think like a Frank Sinatra song. Yeah. Uh, but he actually uh, selected Lionel Richie all night long. <laughs> and um, and it, it, it was a wonderful time. Uh, that song means a lot to me now, a yep. lot more to me. And um, yeah, yeah, very sentimental now that I hear that. And actually, before each of these uh, tribute episodes, I, I play that song to kind of awesome. you know, get into that frame of mind, that spirit. And so yeah. when you think of his uh, legacy, uh, what would you say his legacy is? Oh, gosh. I would have to go with love, selflessness, and community. Um, mm. You know, he was just, sorry. Um, you know, he just takes so much time with everyone. And he really, really cared about his community and other communities. Um, and it was just like one of the most beautiful things to see because he's such a genuine human and I think it's, hard to come by and I think it'll be a long time before we see somebody like Franco you know yeah. um I just know that you know there's an entire community hurting uh the city of Pittsburgh um and I would also throw in there that family is his legacy he was such a family person and I know I mentioned that we go to the Super Bowl every year but I think what people don't know is that all of his siblings were there every year um you know it was like a family reunion for them and it was really important for him to have all of those people around every year so I definitely think you know his legacy will be celebrated for a very very long time and I'm sure I didn't capture it correctly but um you know, he's just such a unique human. And I don't think that that comes very often. I'm so glad that you decided to uh, switch seats. Um, <laughs> now, 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 now we're friends for life. Uh, connected yeah. through Franco. Uh, thank you for your time. Appreciate you. Look forward to connected here in the near future. We love Franco. Thanks, Sean. That was my recording at the dinner of Franco singing Lionel Richie's All Night Long. That was me recording, yelling, having a wonderful time. I don't think people fully understood how much he truly enjoyed music. I actually didn't know that until we started to plan for the event because he sings at all the events. So on the field, Franco is most known for the Immaculate Reception. 
So the next person that you're going to hear from is Hank. Hank was actually at the game. My next guest on, uh, we love Franco, is my guy, Uncle Hank, Hank Williams. Hank, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. And so we're going to get to the reason why I asked you to be part of this series. Before we get to that question, originally from Pittsburgh, you grew, you were you grew up in the area, you were around the city when the Steelers really became the Steelers in the 70s. That's still current era. I would love just to hear a little bit from your perspective, how was it living in the city during that time? Well, let's back up a little bit. The 70s was the era, but I remember as a kid going to the Steeler games in the 60s, all right? And you got to realize, you got to put it in perspective here. Back then, we didn't win games. I remember going to Pitt Stadium, and we just got excited when they got to the red zone where they may score a touchdown. So you got to realize coming out of that era, how important it was for the 70s when now we're winning and the role begins, all right? And then the 70s, you got to realize it was – Pittsburgh is, was, is, a, is a segregated city. You know, you've got your, your different neighborhoods, ethnically segregated. But in the 70s, two things brought those neighborhoods together. One was sports, the Steelers. And – even the Pirates were competing then, all right? Also, the 70s was the age of Aquarius, where people, you know, the, uh, the hippie generation, the free love, that mm. brought people together too. So you brought these segregated neighborhoods together via the age of Aquarius, as well as sports, and i.e. mainly the Steelers. Yeah, so That's really cool. Yeah, so you got to realize I didn't know that history. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's we the Steelers struggled prior to the seventies. So when the seventies hit and they started winning, oh man, the town we went crazy. You know, it was yeah. a good place to be, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when um, when the news broke of his passing, so many people reached out to me because. You know, they, they knew of our relationship uh, and our friendship, and uh, you were one of those individuals. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for calling and check, check on me. Um, you know, continue the prayers for his, his, his family and um, others who, who loved him. And uh, one of the things you shared with me when you reached out, you let me know that you were actually at the game of the Immaculate Reception. And a, a couple of things. You know, so many stories ha ha were shared and came out after the passing. A couple things I wasn't aware of. I wasn't aware that that the game was not sold out because all I know is now the Steelers games are always sold out. Tough ticket to get. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is I did not know that they did not win the Super Bowl that year. And so speak to first the Immaculate Reception. And then, um, and then educate me a little bit on, on letting me know, like, that wasn't the Super Bowl year, but then they started their run afterwards. So go ahead, speak a little bit. Well, it's funny. I, I really was there. You know, <laughs> yeah, I got a friend of mine. There was four of us. It was my father, my brother, 
and one of my boys. Now, my father and my brother has go since gone on, and me and my boy joke that we got to vouch for each other because you probably got, you know, 110,000 people in Pittsburgh saying they was at the Immaculate Procession. Right. <laughs> Three Rivers only held, what, 65,000. Right, so, right. So we were all, we always joke. It's like, man, we got to vouch for each other. But it's funny that you mentioned, you know, no, it wasn't sold out. And somehow, uh, I think my brother found, we got four tickets that week for the game. So it wasn't like we knew for weeks we were going to this game. You know, tickets popped up. One, you know, it wasn't sold out. So by 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 it being not sold out, it wasn't televised. And right. I didn't realize the game wasn't televised until after the passing of Franco and you're starting to talk to different folk. And yes, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend of mine who lived down in the Beaver Valley. And he was the one that reminded me it wasn't televised. Fortunately, they had an antenna on their roof and they were moving it and they picked up some station in Ohio where they could watch the game. So, yeah, so one, wasn't sold out. Two, right. wasn't televised. All right. That, that, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to jump in there because it speaks to the mag magnitude of that moment that you just assume so many people at least saw it on TV before not to be on TV uh, and, and for it to, you know, 50 years still be so, um, you know, ingrained in people's mind is pretty incredible. Pretty it is. It is. And like I said, you know, you get comfortable now knowing all you can see games are all games are on, whether you right. got an NFL ticket or whatever games are on. So when it, he reminded me it wasn't televised, it was like, wow, I, I was shocked. That being said, though, we were able to get to the game, had tickets. Now, granted, we were up, and I, Three Rivers is probably before you. However. Oh, we, no, no, no. Hold on. I actually played there one season. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, you, yeah. you know, through, so we were up in 600 there. Okay. We were way up in the new nosebleeds. However, we were in the house. Yeah. And there was this excitement about the possibilities, yeah. you know, and – you know, we had this rookie running back, you know, with the big fro and his Italian army and right. the place was and you gotta realize, yeah, I see you there. And then not only did they have the Italian army, you had uh Jarella's gorillas, Roy Jarella was the kicker. Mm. You had Jarella's so you had all these little groups, yeah. you know. So there was something brewing and you could feel it, and there was excitement, and then lo and behold, you know, the big rivalry. There was always a big rivalry between the Steelers then and the Raiders. However, the Raiders were bullies. They came in and they bullied the Steelers. But this is the time when, like, you know, we facing the bully now. Yeah. You know, we, got, we, hey, we got our brothers. We got our boys. We facing the bully. And that's how that game turned out. And then, lo and behold, the catch, you know. And, oh, so, so you were in the stadium. And and so I heard. So the owner at the time, Rooney, what they call the chief, right? Mm -hmm. The chief. He actually didn't see it. So did you actually? Because he was, I guess, he was going down an elevator. So did you well, actually see it? I didn't see the catch. I saw Jack Tatum hitting Franco. Mm. And as soon as you see that, you know, I had my hand in my head. It's like, oh, doggone it! And then next thing I know, I hear people hollering, "He got it!" Oh, so, so you talking about you saw him hit the. Uh, I saw, 
I saw Jack Tatum hit Franco, the running back. Okay. And then you see the ball ricochet. Wait, so, wait, no, no, no. Wait, didn't he hit the receiver? He hit the receiver because then the ball ricocheted and Franco. No, no, fired. no. He hit it wasn't the receiver. Franco, I mean, uh Frenchie was a running back. Oh, Frenchie, yes. Yeah, Frenchie, yeah, 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 yeah. So he hit Frenchie. Got you. I'm you with you, yeah. He hit yeah. when I saw him hit Frenchie, ball ricochets. I got grabbed you. my head in disgust. Right, and then right, I'm right. Hearing people yelling, he got it. So I look up, and then you see Franco running down the sideline. Yeah, the place goes crazy. Right, and then you know it, it's just and it's just it, it and the play before that, I can't remember. The play before that, something happened. We didn't. Mm-hmm. The Steelers didn't execute, and we remember this guy sitting near us had these big. Look expensive binoculars. When they didn't execute that play, and that's before the catch, he slams his binoculars on the ground. Mm. And we're like, we're high school kids now, right? We're right. like, wow, look at this dude, right? And then lo and behold, comes the catch. How now, what that? was funny, I told you there was four of us, and we had my pops there. And my pops was even excited. When the catch happened, he scored a touchdown. We ran from 600 all the way down to the field. Wow. And I look up, That's and even my cool. pops was coming, you know. And what, what was so crazy about it, by the time we got from 600, and everybody was just running and excited. And by the time we got down from 600 to the field, they were just executing the extra point because mm. people ran on. It was chaos. Yeah. And they still had to kick the extra point. So wow. it probably after the after Franco scored, it had to be a good 10 minutes, 15 minutes before they even kicked the extra point. <laughs> wow. One, because they had to go talk on the phone to somebody, you know, and that was before replay, but they were talking on the phone. And so that allowed us to get from 600 all the way down to the field. And mm. the place was just crazy. It was yeah. just absolutely crazy. It was exciting. Wow. Yeah, and, that's and that that like you said, no, we didn't go to the Super Bowl that year, but that was the start. Yes, it was definitely that, that opened the door, man. And so, uh, so my last question: So, when you think about his legacy, what is Franco's legacy? You know, he, Sean, you got. I left Pittsburgh in 1986, so as a kid, Franco was a great football player. All right. And that's what I was remembering. I think Franco's legacy now is beyond the football field. I think from what I understand, talking to people, I've talked to you, what he's doing with your agency, different folk. You know, I have a good friend who was on the staff with the Steelers, been on the staff for, what, 30 years, interacting with him. I think Franco's legacy is much larger as the community man. Mm-hmm. as opposed to the football player because yeah. everybody I talked to talked about Franco was there. Franco supported. Franco didn't hesitate. I recall doing before I left Pitt. Well, around the time I left Pittsburgh, I went back and a friend of mine had a football camp and he used to do football camp. And this year, that year was the Eric Green football camp. We had it, I think up at Shenley Park and had a bunch of high school kids there. And lo and behold, here comes Franco. And, you know, kids rallied around him. He gave him a little message. So 
That being said, I think his legacy is more Franco, the community man, Franco, the man, as opposed to Franco, the football player. I think that off the field legacy shadows what he did on the football field. And he's a, he's a hall of famer. Yeah. So legacy to overshadow that. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. It really is. You're talking about success off the field and body, what it means to be more than an athlete. And that's our guy, Franco Harris. Hey, thank you for your time. Appreciate you, All right, yeah. All right, man. The last person you're going to hear from is the voice of the Steelers and the Pitt Panthers, Bill Hillgrove. I interviewed Bill for the podcast a few years ago. And in that interview, I asked him about a few individuals who support Orange Arrow that he also has a relationship with. Here's what Bill had to say about Franco. Franco Harris. He's been a huge supporter of our work. What comes to mind when you hear Franco Harris? Franco, a community-minded guy. A guy who, uh, you know, gives of himself even to this day. And despite the fact that he's an NFL Hall of Famer, uh, despite the fact that he has those Super Bowl rings that I'm sure he treasures and cherishes, he shares that with people. And I think that's important, too, for people who succeed. Uh, remember where you came from and give it back if you can. This to Mr. Franco Harris and also Mr. Lydell Mitchell. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the support. Thank you for allowing me really to be more than an athlete. Thank you.